0: As we get started for the message today, let's just uh, bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here today. And, and Lord, we thank you that you hear our prayers and you answer our prayers and, and you care deeply about each one of us. And Lord, right now we just uh, lift up the Gilly family to you and just pray that you'll be with Tom as he's in the healing process, that it all goes well. We pray for Jeannie, just give her encouragement, comfort during this time. And Lord, for Linda, for her procedure coming up Wednesday, we just ask that it goes well and that she just heals completely from that. And and Lord, others that maybe we're not aware of, and even those who are traveling, we just pray for traveling mercies for them. And Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and mercy and your love and grace, and we could just go on and on. And I thank you for this time that we can worship together and just pray now that our hearts are open for what you have for us. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we should have a round of applause. This is the last in this series of Proverbs, but uh, it's a Be Wise series, but we're going to try again. So the first thing I wanted to say is, what do these people have in common? Sir James Dyson, Jerry Seinfeld, Theodore Seuss Geisel, Elvis Presley, and Michael Jordan. They all died? Well, that's true. Anyway, they were all said to have failed at one time in their life. James Dyson failed 5,126 times in his invention of the Dyson vacuum. How many have a Dyson vacuum? Okay, so you guys are bagless. Um. (laughs) Jerry Seinfeld was booed off the stage early in his comedy career. Theodore Seuss Geisel had his first book rejected 27 times before the Dr. Seuss book came out. Elvis was told he had no ability and needed to get back in his truck and leave. And Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. How would you like to be that coach? But did you know Abraham Lincoln went into the army as a captain and... He returned as a private. He lost more elections than he won. Thomas Edison was told by his teachers that he was too stupid to learn anything. Walt Disney was told he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Albert Einstein was thought to be mentally handicapped. Stephen King's first book, Carrie, was rejected 30 times. He threw it in the garbage, and his wife dug it out and convinced him not to give up. Vincent van Gogh sold one painting during his lifetime. Now that all sounds kind of depressing, doesn't it? I mean, in some respects. But the point is that these people and others, they never gave up they might have become discouraged they may have wanted to quit but they persisted they persevered even when the people around them told them that they weren't capable so for the fa- past few weeks we've been talking about different things of proverbs last week we talked about how important our words are that we say and uh, when we're speaking to people whether it's our family or friends or strangers our words are very important but today as we finish this uh, short series of book of proverbs gaining all sorts of wisdom you guys will be the wisest people around everyone will be fighting to be one of the wise men at christmas time you know i want to look at what it means to be wise when the way that we live And it seems like many times the odds are against us. Because sometimes the world just doesn't give us much hope. Now, I might have a few weeks ago given you a definition of failure. I might have failed to give that to you too. I don't know. But failure means we just give up, we don't try, we just quit. And it seems like if we don't achieve what we work towards, you know, in a sense, it doesn't mean we failed. It just simply me- means we didn't succeed in a way that we hoped for. Because I believe that it's too easy to say we failed. And I, and I think when we do that, we cast ourselves in a negative light. And many times that's not the case. So today we're going to talk a little bit more about the importance of being willing to try again and not giving up. Now, in our Scripture today, Proverbs 24, 16, it says, For the, Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Basically, Solomon is telling us the difference between a wise person and a fool. And the difference is determined by how many times he isn't successful. Now this might come as a shock to you, but we all mess up. There's many times we don't achieve what we hoped we would. But the difference between a wise and a foolish person is that the wise person gets up and goes at it again, learning hopefully from the past, Getting a little better, maybe a little wiser, maybe a little smarter, maybe a little more determined. The fool is the person who makes that one attempt and then just gives up. When they stumble, when life doesn't go the way they want, they just tend to throw their arms in the air and say, I quit. So sometimes we have to make mistakes and mess up. Sometimes that's the only way some of us learn. Think about a child learning to walk. Think about when you learned to walk. You probably don't remember it. But think about a child. If they fell, they said, walking's not for me. I quit. It's the same with riding a bicycle. or doing many things that we sometimes take for granted. The best way to attain what we desire is to make an, a, a commitment that I'm going to try again and again. Now, there are times when we must realize that an activity I might be in or even a a career that we're attempting is not exactly right for us. So sometimes we got to move on to something else. But that's not quitting. It's basically gaining wisdom of what you can and cannot do. And generally it's rare that we get the results that we hoped for on the very first try. When you try something new. How many of you like to try something new? How many are not gonna try anything new? I'm doggone set in my ways and that's just the way it is here, right? <laughs> It takes persistence and dedication to get what you really want. It's a willingness to try and try again. And if you're experiencing what you consider repeated failures, the last thing that you probably want to hear right now is if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. How many have heard that before? My mom said that a lot to me now that I think about it. You might not want to hear it, but you might need it. But we've all been there. We've probably all started diets that we didn't uh, succeed at. We gave up. We've probably all started Bible plans, thinking I'm going to really spend a lot of time, and maybe these Bible plans fizzled. We've probably made New Year's resolutions that lasted maybe two days. We've tried exercising. How's that going? We've tried home projects that probably never got finished. Go ahead and look at each other. <laughs> There's been many times that I've kicked myself because some of the futile efforts I've made at some things. And I can look at myself and say, wow, you really messed up on that one. You know? But admit the shortcoming. Many times we have to admit that we messed up. But I'm going to try again. Maybe I need to come up with a new game plan that's a little more doable. And some of it is just being realistic. Because sometimes we think that we can conquer the whole world in a day. Or how many times have you said, okay, I'm going to change my prayer life. I'm going to start praying an hour every day. I'm going to read at least a chapter out of the Bible a day. I'm going to exercise three hours a day. And when none of that tends to happen, we get discouraged and we tend to quit. So we need to be a little more realistic in setting our goals. So I'm going to give you an acronym for goal setting. So if you take notes, it's not going to be on the screen. And I didn't quit putting stuff on the screen. But if you have a a paper or you're taking notes, write down the word SMART. And what the word SMART says, it's an acronym for our goals that say our goals should be specific, they should be measurable, They should be attainable. They should be realistic. And they should be time sensitive. Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time sensitive. Now I'll give you a real fiction thing here. If I decide I want to start working out, So I might say to myself, I want to work out. That's not really a goal. It's more of a cop-out, but it's better to give yourself some parameters. So I might say, okay, I want to work out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I want to try to work out for one hour each day on that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I hope at the end of this, I will... Put on five pounds of muscle and take off five pounds of non-muscle. <laughs> okay, twenty pounds of non-muscle. Okay, is that, that down better? But that hits. That kind of thing hits. That smart goals. That's how we set goals. We're specific and all, all of those kinds of things. But there have been times when trying again seems crazy. It's like wanting snow in August. It's crazy. We might have no reason to believe in ourselves and we think that giving up hope is maybe a total failure. Sometimes we've got to just keep going. Do you feel like you're at a motivational class right now? But that's maybe how you feel. Maybe you feel the odds are stacked against you right now. You might be thinking that everything that I've tried lately I'm just a failure at and there's no hope. Maybe you're thinking, why do, I, why do I try again? So, maybe we need to look at our situation and believe we need to do something realistically and then I need to try and do it again and the reason why is because God believes in you. In the book of Philippians, Paul wrote in Philippians 1.6, he says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So to start with here, Paul's telling us that he has faith. He's fully confident of what God is going to do. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work, you could use your name, in me. So Paul's telling us he has faith, he has confidence in what God's going to do. And if you think about it, when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, something miraculous happened in your life. Something that you probably fully can't explain. The Spirit of God came into your life, And He gave life to your spirit. You were, to use a phrase that Jesus used, you were born again. God gave you new life. New life in a new way. You were no longer on your own. You had the God of all creation working in you. So God began His work in you. Probably hasn't been easy. (laughs) God's asked you. He's probably pushed you to do some of the things that you thought were impossible. Yet with God's help, you were able to do it. Because you see, He's helping perfect you. So in this lifetime, we have the opportunity day by day, to become just a little bit more like Christ. He's wanting us to become more and more like Jesus. So Paul tells us that God is determined to finish the job that He started in you. Because you see, God knows what you are capable of He knows what you're capable of doing and becoming. We probably don't see that in ourselves. But do you realize in Christ, God sees someone really amazing in you? That's why He knew about you in His heart. He was creating you before the world was even formed. He knows what you're capable of becoming, whether you recognize it or not. Do you know the story of the McDonald's restaurant chain? How many have ever eaten at McDonald's? Quarter pounder with cheese, can't beat. There was a guy named Ray Kroc. Now you're going to love what he did. He was a milkshake mixer salesman. That's not a bunch of crock either. But he was so impressed with this McDonald brothers who had six small hamburger stands. He was so impressed with their operation that he believed that this McDonald's with their six restaurants could go nationwide. He says that they could be a chain of restaurants delivering fast, affordable food to busy families. And I think at one point he even used the word nutritional. <laughs> that was before the salads. And so he bought in. He bought in on this company. And he began expanding the operation and in just a few short years he revolutionized the way that we eat. He saw the potential of that tiny stand and he made it into what it is today. And in somewhat the same way, God sees potential in you. And you may be struggling right now to to make ends meet. You may be struggling with sin that you just seem that you cannot conquer. You may be struggling emotionally. You may be struggling mentally. You may be struggling physically. In In every which way you might, you might just be feeling devastated, defeated. And in some ways you might feel that you might seem impossible for you to become the kind of person that you want to become. God sees your potential. He believes in you. There's a couple of verses that are really some of my favorite ones. And Paul wrote one of them out of 2 Corinthians 5.21 in verse He says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God believes in each one of us so much that He sent His Son into the world to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life, so that we could ultimately become Christ-like. And what's so important in this verse is the fact that God sent His sinless Son into the world so that He could take on the sin of the world. And when He took our sin and we said yes to Jesus, then God in a sense said to us, man, that is great. Now I'm looking upon you as I look at my own Son, Jesus. Now, that's what the back end of that verse means. God no longer views us as sinners, but He looks us as looks, looks on us as beautiful people with a lot of potential. Another, another verse out of Romans 3, it says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. So you see, before we came to know Jesus, none of us were righteous. Not one person. And it's because we did not seek after God. But now that we have Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, it's exciting because He considers us righteous. Which brings me to another verse that I really love out of 2 Corinthians. And it's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So he's telling us that if we are in Christ, if we believe in Jesus, then we become a new creation. Because the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we change. We become a different person. A better person. A person who now wants to please God first. That's what's supposed to happen. Now here's the catch. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Lots of time. Like the rest of our lives time. But you know what? It's worth the journey because we become different but it's a good difference. Never known somebody who was different, but it wasn't a good different? (laughs) This is a good different. Even if the world doesn't get it. You see, God loves you and He died for each one of us. And so as we struggle with failures and we struggle with setbacks and defeats in our lives, God's call is for us to try again. Not to give up. And just because someone says something negative does not mean we quit. Because that's part of the testimony to the world. When we get knocked down for whatever reason, we know Christ, we're getting right back up. When we make mistakes, we don't quit. We own them and then we learn from them. And we get better. When we hurt others, we repent and we ask for forgiveness. Do you realize when we ask for forgiveness, God cleanses us and makes us whiter than snow? We can relate to the snow thing, right? But here's what it comes down to. God is faithful. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you even in the dark times when you feel like you can't get up, God's right there with you. And think about all the people in your life. I hope they see Jesus in you. And a lot of them need Jesus. And they need the hope that Jesus can give them. And many times, it's our faith and obedience to Christ that shows other people who Christ is. So it comes down to this. You have a choice that you can either give up or you can get up. Getting up means you're going to turn your back on all of those negativity that's telling you to quit. And it's telling you to get up. Keep trying in these areas. Letting God guide you every step of the way. Because you know what? God believes in you. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things in this world that a lot of negativity going on, right? And a lot of times we buy into that. Paul says being confident of this that He who begins a good work in us will carry it on to completion. God doesn't give up on us. Let's become stronger and be an example to the world, realizing that God has forgiven us of our sins. He's doing a work in our lives, creating us to be something really special. Now, how many of you are kind of artsy-fartsy kind of person? Probably shouldn't say that word in church. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Think of the best thing that you've ever designed or sculpted or whatever. That's nothing in comparison to what God's doing in your life. God's amazing. And I trust that you know Jesus in your heart and life today because He's doing a work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for some of these Proverbs and just passages of Scripture that show how, how much You love us And how you never give up on us. And I just pray that whatever the world throws at us. That we will just look at it as a a great challenge. That we're going to get up no matter what. Knowing that you're going to give us the strength. To make it through each and every day. And Lord I just pray right now. That if there's a tugging at anybody's heart right now. That they don't know you. I just pray even right where they're sitting. They will ask you into their heart and life. And Lord I just uh, rejoice together with everyone here. Knowing that. You're in control, and you're building us and strengthening us to be an amazing example to the world. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can be here today and be with us this week. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.